Long Beach Sermons, visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Brenna Rubio, and I'm one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach, where we are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And we are just so glad that you are here with us, um, including our friends on Zoom. Uh, I'm not sure if there's anyone hiding on the patio that I can't see, but we're just, we're glad to have you here. You know, I just want to say, it's possible that some of you are here this morning and thinking, I am probably the only one like me in this room somewhere deep deep down in your soul whether it's like way conscious up here or just like there's a secret lurking fear you're wondering i may be the only person like this and i just want to assure you it is very unlikely to be true i, I don't know why i just wanted to tell you that this morning that we are all weird in our own unique ways here in this room and and lots of them actually match up and are less unique than we think that as you share your stories you're probably going to find like we all are coming in with some of the same struggles and questions and and deep down desires and that's kind of the cool thing about getting to come here and find community so yeah we are so glad that you are here this morning with us um this morning we get to keep the kiddos in with us um which we're actually we kind of enjoy when we get to do that sometimes kids you're great i know we have a few in this room a few of them are even mine um and so kids just know that we are so glad that you are here and i am going to pray for you in a little bit but before that we are going to invite up Bill, the other co-pastor here at City Church of Long Beach. And Bill, actually, do, Bill, do you want to invite the kids up front to hang with you for a little bit? I think so. You think so? Okay. Can I scoot in front of you this way? Yeah, go. Real go. Quick? All right. Okay. Kids. Um, so why don't we have some uh, kiddos? If you guys want to come up front here, if there are a few of you, we we have we have Legos today. So. Yeah, which, you know, yeah, why don't you sit over here, like away from the fire? Um, it, yeah. Me we have here. adults blocking the fire. We're strategically placed. Yeah, strategically to, placed. Know. So, um, does, do, do any of you guys, does anyone here like Legos? Okay, there, there are a couple. There are a couple. All right. And a couple out here, I see. Yeah, okay. We acknowledge you. Yes, we see you. Um, so, I was thinking a little bit, uh, does anyone have this guy, the, the, the star? Do you know what this is? Does anyone know what this is? Oh, it's the ACAC Walker. Someone's been studying up. So they know what this is. And you see who that is right there? That's a, that's a stormtrooper. That's right. So there's some proud parents in this room. Yeah, my kids. There's some proud ATT parents. Walkers. Israel Rubio is like, man, I raised him right. <laughs> I know it's kind of a special moment for for Israel. Um, so I want you just to imagine, right? And if you don't have Legos, imagine like blocks or maybe a painting, something you've been working on. And sometimes things go wrong, right? Sometimes. You, you, you accidentally drop your thing. Yeah, right? Yeah. I know, or it falls over and it breaks, or, or maybe even one of your, right, well, sometimes, yeah, and like it, like, oh, it's like, oh, I don't even know how this thing works, but like, yeah, say something like, oh, 
And it like, like, right? How, how are you feeling? You just put it right back together. But, but sometimes it breaks even more than that, right? Yes, yes. Fortunately, there's a manual and those sorts of things. You know, we've got all the answers here today, which is very helpful. But if it like totally smashes, yeah. All right. There you go. I'm All not right. sure if this illustration is going as planned. <laughs> Theologically speaking. I know, I know. So sometimes, well, let's just say there's some different options, right? Like if you had, if you, if there was an adult in the room, like your auntie or your, 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 grandparents or your, your, your dad or somebody like that, like, what would you want them to do when, when, when it, things start falling apart? Oh, hey, thank you. Yeah, right, right. You want to rebuild it, right? Uh-huh. Yes, what do you do? Like in our house, the instruction manual for this one is no longer around because it was 20 years ago that uh, we, we, yeah. Anyway, so there are a couple of options. Number one, let's just think about this as a possibility. Sometimes it would be nice if, if that adult or older sibling would sit with you and maybe help you put it back together, right? Yeah, right. And then sometimes it might be helpful if like you just got the instruction manual out and you started putting it back together yourself. And then sometimes like, particularly if you have like the, like, you know, one of the biggest ones, like it's just humongoloid and it totally smashes to a thousand pieces. Sometimes it's kind of nice if they just sit with you and cry. And sometimes it's not, it's not our Star Wars at, at Lego Walker. Is it an at, at Walker? No, it's an eight. Right, whatever that, right? It's that thing. Sometimes it's, it's our bodies or our lives, and it gets messy. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But you guys were fantastic. You have great insights. I totally appreciate you sharing them with everybody and our friends on Zoom. And we have some special little kits for you guys, so you can each take one of those with you back. And if you have a friend back there who didn't come up, you can grab one of those for them. And would you thank God for these amazing kids? And oh, Brenda's going to pray. Yeah, let me, kids, I'm going to pray for you real quick. Okay. I'm just going to say, hey, God, thank you so much for these amazing little ones. And thank you so much for the ways that you love us. And sometimes you sit with us and you cry with us. And sometimes you help us put it back together. We love you. Amen. Amen. Hey, and these are like little scratcher Valentine's things. If, if there's anybody else here, either some older kids or even some adults, so you're just like, yeah, the idea of scratching, you know, some artwork, um, feel free to come up and grab one. We have I'm, some extras. I'm going to set this aside right here. So literally just come up. Like when I start boring you, just I go know some and adults who want to scratch some art too. We're going to leave this item here. If someone wants to put it back together, feel free. Um, well, that was an adventure. Uh, so we're, today we're talking about healing and we're asking a question, does, does God heal? And what do we do with 
those mixed experiences that we've all had with healing. So I want to share a story. Um, a, a few of you may have heard this. I would imagine most of you haven't. But so back, back in the dark ages, last century, uh, my wife and I lived in Mexico City, and we worked with a with a bunch of Mexican nationals and uh, some folks that came down from the states. And we we were part of these uh, medical and dental teams that worked out in the um, the large basureros, the the garbage dumps uh, around the outskirts of Mexico City, where where sort of the poorest of the poor would live. And there was this one particular team that came down from Ohio, and there was this one particular hairdresser. Uh, who was a neat guy. And we also did a lot of haircuts and hygiene stuff. And um, But he decided he wanted to break from his, his hairdressing station there in the garbage dump one day. And he felt God had called him to go out and heal people. Uh, his Spanish was not that good. He'd been practicing, though. We decided we definitely wanted to send a translator with him. Um, and so they go out into this uh, large garbage dump and not far off, we had these big school buses that we would, um, were, one was a medical clinic and one was a converted dental clinic. And so they, he wandered off from the buses and uh, with his translator, and he runs into this old woman who's sort of bent over, and, and he realizes this is his target. I mean, this is the person he's going to care for. And he has been practicing. And so if you were to say something like, in the name of Jesus, be healed, you would want to say something like, in el nombre de Jesus, sea sanada, right? And so he'd been practicing this all week, and he gets out there, and he's like, translator, I got this. And so he lays hands on her, not even sure if he asked for permission, but he just, whatever. You know, he's a white guy. Uh, and so... <laughs> He lays there and he says, in el nombre de Jesus, sea asada, which basically means in the name of Jesus, be barbecued. And, you know, it just was one of those classic moments when, when the good church people show up and instead of leaving with the blessing, you leave with some residual trauma. And when it comes to this idea of healing and, and if, if, how, when, why not does God heal, a lot of us have, have had some of those experiences, haven't we? Where things got a little weird, where someone said something dumb or hurtful, or simply God didn't answer. You know, your, your Legos stayed broken. And what do we do with that? And so we're going to enter into this conversation uh, kind of frankly and perhaps without all the answers, but try to sort out what, what God's true power looks like when it comes to healing. Um, so our friend Kim Bulasan, uh, if you would welcome up Kim Bulasan, she's going to read scripture for us today. So welcome, Kim. Yeah, and so this passage comes from the last, the last book of the Bible at the very end, and it's this picture of how things are supposed to be, of, of sort of the vision, God's vision for things to be made right. So if you would stand in honor of God's word, as Kim reads it for us. 
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and God will dwell with them. They will be God's people, and God's own self will be with them and be theirs. God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. People of God, this is the word of God. You may be seated. Thanks so much, Kim. So this is the book of Revelation. This is the very end of the Bible, and it's sort of this uh, kind of this wondrous vision of the world made right. And in this wondrous vision, um, there are a few components to it. And so I want to just unpack these, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. It says that in, in verse 3, that they will be God's people, and God's own self will be theirs and will belong to them. Like there's this sense of total spiritual connection with God. It's spiritual health, spiritual well-being. It's, it's things made right. It's, there's congruence. We're night right now. How many of us always feel perfectly connected to God? We don't. But the, the, the vision is, is this vision of heaven where everything is totally congruent. There's spiritual health and healing. In verse 4, it says, God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There's, it says there's no more crying. It's this picture of total emotional health, right? They're, like we're, we're done with the grieving process. We are, we are well inside. And there's a picture of, of physical health. It says there's, there's no more pain and there's no more death. There's no more pain. Like, there's no more ill health. We're healed physically, emotionally, spiritually. And the whole picture is in this sense of this new Jerusalem, this city, this gathering of people coming down and, and, the, and the world be, being made right. And notice that it's a communal picture. Right in here, in verse uh, verse two, it's the holy city. But throughout, it's always the people. It's not the persons. It's not just a group of individuals. This is what the the scriptures talk about. The Hebrew scriptures cast this vision of shalom, which is this interlocking of total personal and communal health. It's what justice seeks to achieve where all is made right in the city. It is now a holy city. It's communal well-being. This is, this is the vision that, that God has for what the world's supposed to be. Okay? And then, when we see Jesus on this earth, 
walking around, what we see Jesus saying is, we want the, the kingdom of heaven, what we just described, a place of perfect spiritual, emotional, physical, communal health. We want that here on earth. Right, there's that prayer. We're going to pray it later today, called the Lord's Prayer, or the Our Father, right? And in it, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're supposed to be praying, that things would be made right, that we would be well individually as a, as a whole community. And then when Jesus shows up and, and he takes his 12 closest friends and he sends them out. Well, they probably weren't his closest friends because there were some women who were really close friends of his, but they were 12 of his good friends, the disciples. And he sends them out. This is what it says in, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So Jesus says, hey, pray for, for heaven to come to earth and go out and live and care and love and bring healing, the healing of heaven to earth. Like this is the vision, right? The challenge is that sometimes reality doesn't quite match the vision, right? You know this. That our lives are messy. And I want to suggest um, that that's okay. There's, there's, there's space for that. And so let me, let me say what you probably, I don't know, maybe, maybe you don't, we're not familiar with this. But in the Bible and in our lives, this is very true. People don't always get healed. When Jesus prayed for people, they did not always get healed. Yes, that's what I just said. When Jesus prayed for people, they did not always get healed. So think of, there's, there's this man born blind in Mark chapter 8, and it says that Jesus prayed for him for healing, and then he's like, how are you doing? He's like, well, I can kind of see. I see people, but they look like trees moving around. Jesus is like, let's try that again. And he prays again, and then he's fully healed. But the first time around, Jesus, his healing didn't work. Or there's a demoniac in this place called Gerasen, and, and it literally says that Jesus cast out the demons, but they didn't go out. He had to do it again. It was a process, even for Jesus. Not to mention the zillions of people who showed up who didn't get healed. There wasn't space or time or w for whatever reason. Jesus left a lot of people unhealed. And his closest followers, same thing, right? Remember Mark 9? Well, some of you remember this. Some of you are Bible people. Some of us aren't. It's fine. But in, the, in one of the stories of Jesus in Mark chapter 9, Jesus and a couple of his friends are up praying on a mountain. They come down, and there's this dad who is like so upset. He's like, I brought my son to be healed. Your friends have just mucked it up. 
they didn't get the job done. And then you, you read other places in the Bible, like this guy Paul, who wrote a lot of letters in the New Testament, and at one point he, he writes, and he healed people, right? There was even a resurrection ascribed to him, and like these crazy moments where like super, you know, power, poof, he writes to his friend Timothy, he's like, hey, by the way, you remember Trophimus? Yeah, I left him sick over uh, back on that other island, so maybe check in on him. Paul's saying like, eh, oh well, that didn't work there. So if Jesus, the healing was like, didn't always happen the way supposed to, and certainly Jesus' immediate followers, is it a surprise for us? that the healing doesn't always come? I mean, it's more of a surprise for us when the healing does come, right? I mean, let, let's just say that. It's, it's weird. And so now what do we do sitting in this tension where we have this vision and most of us have had some experience. I was, I was with a group of folks earlier this week and uh, they are all, shall we say, irregular uh, around church, church the, the churches that they go to. They're, they're very irregular. And uh, they asked me what I was going to be talking about. I said, oh, I'm talking about healing. And they laughed, right? They thought this was kind of funny, right? Like, <laughs> you know, one of them used to do some faith healing type stuff. No more. But I said to him, I said, um, I bet each one of you in your own life, there are multiple people there. I said, I bet each one of you um, have actually seen and witnessed healing miracles in your lives, haven't you? And every one of them raised their hand. Like, yeah, yeah, I have. Even the one who was like, you know, mocking like their previous sort of ministry. Like, no, yeah, 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 I have. And one of them was like, I'm not even sure if I believe in God, but I kind of believe in miracles, right? Because I've seen them. And so there's this tension between having seen some miraculous things and yet also all those times when it didn't go right, when we felt like we got barbecued instead of blessed, where we ourselves were praying for someone and they weren't healed. So we find ourselves sitting in this tension. And for many of us, a, a very appropriate response that I actually want to bless is we doubt. Right? That, that's what we like. Well, I, do I, is God, what should I do? How do I? And we end... And sometimes we get stuck in doubt. Sometimes it's a more active doubting that's pushing us to, to think more and maybe change some of our thoughts and beliefs. There's a passage that I love in this little tiny book in the New Testament. This guy named Jude writes this, and he says this one phrase. He says, be merciful to those who doubt. Like, that's actually the approach to, to those of us who 
are struggling with this whole idea of healing and trusting God and miracles, and we're doubting, okay, there's space here for that. And probably all of us need to not just have mercy on that person who doubts, but maybe on this person who doubts. And maybe, maybe you need to have a little mercy on you. Okay, it's okay. I was talking with someone uh, earlier this week who was just sort of beating themselves up for not having enough faith. I'm not sure that's mercy. What if you had mercy on the one who doubts? I can understand why. Yeah, there's space for you here. And I want to acknowledge, too, that, uh, that, that the options for healing, it's more than just like God heals miraculously or God doesn't heal. There's this, there's this new thing that a lot of us have tried. Um, it's really nifty. It's called medicine. <laughs> it's super cool. Like, I mean, it's fantastic. You should try it if you haven't. And where does that fit in the spectrum? In some ways, that, that's, that's what one of our young leaders was recommending to us multiple times today. Like, just find the instruction manual. You'll be fine. We actually should find the instruction manual. That is a very good way to go forward. How does this work? How do we put this together, whether it's DNA or chemicals or surgeries? And it's a gift, and largely, and hopefully, actually for me, perhaps for you, you know who kept promoting medicine, who kept uh, discovering medicine, and sharing medicine, and starting hospitals? It was actually the Christians, because they believed that God healed, and that God also heals through medicine. So with all this in mind, um, we're going to take a pause for a brief moment, um, and we're going to hear a story, because it's important to hear stories and kind of ground this stuff in reality. So if you would welcome uh, our friend Dee Pagay. Dee, if you would come on up. You want a hand on the stairs here? There you go. Dee has been a neighbor of mine for a lot of years. Um, there's one street over, and uh, do, you, when, do you remember when you first came to City Church? Ten years ago. Ten years, oh, you know, she doesn't have a microphone. Let's, do, let's try this. Now you're famous. Put that right up there. Come on now. <laughs> you have to hold it close. There you go. Um, sorry. How long, you, when, when did you first come? Ten years ago. Ten years ago. Like, like, yeah. the, like the OG. You know what I'm saying? We just had our 10-year anniversary. So, Dee, why did, do you remember even why you came? Or I was looking for a new church that was more of a uh, worshiping type of church, yeah. not so much of reading the Bible, sticking to the Bible. I, I've been through Catholic churches, and I just wanted to go to a church that I can 
how do you put it, um, apply my words to my everyday living yeah. and understand what I'm uh. reading and understanding and what I'm reading about and yeah. I can live. There you go. There you go. Good. All right. So um, I was reminded this week, and so I called you up and, and clarified, but there was a moment when um, I was out walking, I ran into you in, in the little street in front of your home, and you were sad, and you had said that the cancers, uh, the doctor said that you had cancer. Yes. And it was not looking good. Tell us a little bit about, like, what was going on, and then what happened, and all that. Well, this was five years ago. That's okay. how long it's been. Right. Um, I had numerous lumps in my lungs, and they had to end up doing biopsies. Um, before they did the biopsies, they said that the cancer was at least 75% of my left lung. Um, in that time, I panicked. I didn't know what to do. I prayed and prayed and prayed. Um, I asked Bill to pray with me, hoping that this would be gone. Um, as time went on, I went through with the biopsies. They did the tests, and all seven of them that they had found are not cancer. So I believed my, my spirit in God, my belief in God went up that day. <laughs> And I trust, I thanked Bill. I was like, I'm thanking, I bumped into you when I did. Literally, we, I saw you in the street. I, yeah. This is how I remember it. And, and so we prayed in the street, slightly awkward. She's like, hey, you know, I, this is terrible news, cancer, lungs, you know, would you pray that God heals me? I'm like, sure, um, full of faith. And so I prayed for D and literally it was like later that week or maybe the next day you called me like I got the biopsies back or something. Yeah, it was it was uh, three days later, three days later. I called and you. I'm like, man, I'm, I should take this on the road, <laughs> you know, like. So now there have been a few instances since then, um, a couple other health situations with you, your your daughter and life. Um, and that I prayed for, and how did those go? Those went well. The other times I prayed for you? The, those went well. Um, what I tried to do was, a lot of you haven't seen me around here lately because I tried to quote unquote do it on my own. And when you realize that you can't do it without God, it's not gonna work. No. No. So that's what kind of brought me back. Um, still go through my little health problems i have some here and there but i'm getting a lot better um as long as it's not cancer i can survive anything and um but every time bill's paid for me miracles happen <laughs> it works that's not true <laughs> we were talking this week about all the times i prayed for you and nothing happened no they work they work <laughs> Man, this is this is actually not going the way I thought. I'm really liking it though. This is incredible. All right, so but what do you do in those situations when you're praying for something and it doesn't happen? Like you've had a few, like there oh, yes. in your family, like you've had a few of those. Like how does that make you feel? I feel um disappointed. I feel defeated. Yeah. Um it's like when I was 
with the church a lot and I do my prayings and asking for, for this and that, I would see my um, situations getting resolved. Hmm. But when I left the church and I tried to do it on my own, it doesn't work. He does. He doesn't answer. He doesn't. He didn't answer my prayers as I needed. Yeah. Until this day, he's there's a lot that I need answered, but I'm just waiting patiently that maybe when I get back into this routine again, that he'd answer my prayers. Yeah. So I'm just hoping. Just pray for me, please. There you go. <laughs> Would you thank God for our friend Dee Pagay? <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> Here, I'll walk you down. I'll walk you down. Um, so, there you go. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Dee. So when we were talking on the phone, we were laughing because, you know, I prayed for a particular situation around uh, healing of a, of a foot for, uh, for Dee, and the foot wasn't healed. And, you know, we were, you know, but there, but, you know, but there is a sense in which, um, you know, healing is a, is a strange thing. And like, I'm actually encouraged. Like, Dee feels like, wow, good things have happened when Bill's prayed. Like, that's better than I thought she was going to say. I was, not, I was not anticipating that. But I do want to suggest that as we enter into this strange space, that if we actually try to enter with love, then healing does take place. It, it may not be the healing that we, we wanted, even the healing that we needed. Uh, and some of us here today have very significant uh, issues that we need healed in our lives. And they, the reason why we need them healed is because they have not been healed yet. Because our prayers haven't been answered yet. And so I, my invitation for us today is really for us to, to sit in the tension. I think in so many ways, that's what spiritual maturity is. It's the capacity to hold tension and to love God and people and even yourself in the midst of that tension. There's a, there's a book on healing that I read that I really appreciated um, because of, of this guy's approach. His name is Ken Blue, and this is what he, this is what he wrote. He said, not once has anyone complained when we prayed for their healing, even when it did not come. A friend of mine who recently died of cancer told me in the last days of her illness, even if your prayers don't work, Ken, this experience has been more than worth it. For the first time, I have experienced God's love. If I die, I will die alive. Ultimately, there are three types of healing. There's healing through prayer, there's healing through medicine, and there's healing through death. Those are our options, and we will all be healed. 
How do we sit in that tension? What do we do with all that? Um, there's, a, there's a verse in the book of Romans that's been helpful for me. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So for those of us who have had experiences of dramatic intervention, can we rejoice? Can you rejoice with that friend of yours? And not just sit there and be skeptical? But could you actually receive it? Like, that's amazing. And can you mourn with those who mourn? Those who didn't get the answer. The ones who, I just lost my mother to cancer. Right? Six weeks ago. She was not healed the way that we wanted. Can we mourn with those who mourn? And not try to put on them our platitudes? Like, oh, I'm sure God's going to heal. Oh, everything's going to be like, no, what if we just sat and cried together? And perhaps the ones we need to rejoice with and the ones we get to mourn with are actually both of them inside of us. We get to hold like, yes, I've seen God at work. I need God so much more. I've seen God not at work, and I don't know what God is doing, and I'm sad and I'm hurting. And what if we can embrace both of those even in our own selves? I'm going to turn it over to Brent Rubio, who is going to make sense of it all now. Thanks so much, Bill. Um, wow, that, uh, that statement that Bill made about the friend who said, if I die, I will die alive. I think what resonated for me there was the sense of praying for healing, taking steps towards healing is risky, right? It's scary because what if it doesn't work? And it's the risk of hope, right? That if we will be fully alive, we will be alive to joy, and we will be alive to sadness. Um, I think this is one of those sermons. So often we tell people around City Church, we're really not answer people here. You, do you ever feel that? You don't come here and get the answers you were expecting? <laughs> Aren't you supposed to be telling us how it works, what we're supposed to do? No, we're question people. Here's the big question. Here's the conversation. And so I realize that for some of you, you may have some, some questions. You're having some conversations inside yourself. And maybe some of it is about risk. Where would you risk healing? Where might you want to risk sadness, risk joy by asking God for something? Or by going to the doctor, making that appointment, going to the therapist, starting the Zoloft. All of these things are options, right? And they're, they're risks. Are we willing for God to make us truly alive to joy and to sorrow? In just a few minutes, um, as we have our last song, I just want to prepare you because we're doing something a little bit different than, than we always do. Um, during that time, during that last song, you may just want to sit, sing along, think, sort of 
take some time for, for prayer or reflection. Um, but some of you may actually feel like something in you wants to do something this morning. Like you have a prayer and you maybe want to act it out in some way, actually sort of in a concrete way, offer that prayer to God. And, and there's nothing magical about this. It's just that we're, we're creatures, embodied souls, and sometimes using our bodies in prayer is helpful. And so it might be that you want to come up and light a candle this morning to represent that prayer, to actually show it with your body in some way. Um, and children, by the way, the candles are only for you if you have an adult with you. Okay. Some of you may actually think like, wow, like, I'd like someone to pray for me, like Bill prayed for Dee. Not because, again, we're, we're not guaranteeing any results. God is not a vending machine, right? But I just, I would like to experience some prayer. And so we're going to have a few people, a few, you know, wise and kind souls um, over here in this space who would offer you prayer in a very non-dramatic way, right? But just if you would like prayer and during the song you want to come over and ask for that, we'll talk with you a little bit and then offer some prayer for your situation. These are, these are some of your options, right? And again, if you want to stay in your seat, think, pray, sing, we'd love that. We just wanted to provide a few, a few options this morning. Now, we would love to pray together, and we want to pray the way that Jesus taught his friends to, a prayer that says, God, would your, your kingdom come? Would heaven 